Millions of despairing men, women and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the US Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Welcome everyone into Garden of Doom. And this week we are, we are welcoming back our friend C. the Superior who's been on two shows before. She was on our anime show and vampires. How are you C. the Superior? I am happy to be back. You know I love me some vampires, so I had to make an appearance and discuss them with you. Um, yeah, it's it's um, vampires are just always intrigue me, so I'm always down to discuss them whenever you're ready. That's right, and so C has told you what the topic is today. So last time we did vampires in literature, and we we definitely dovetailed into media, and C introduced us to a book which. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second, but first of all, I, I don't usually introduce myself on the show, but because we have see the superior, I'm going to introduce myself as Jeff the, you know, marginally competent. And, <laughs> and so, so there, there we go. So I think this is the first time I've actually said my name on the show, which is sort of like broadcasting 101 to always say who you are. <laughs> oh, this is a big reveal. This is the reveal episode. That's right. Yeah, after a hundred plus episodes, I'm finally going to uh, reveal my name. So, woo! So, as Sia said, we are going to talk about vampires, and this time we're going to look at it for vampires around the world and sort of at, from a historic standpoint. And we found a lot. Now, I'm not going to spoil it, and we're going to come back to the back. Because for those of you who missed the first show, first of all, check it out. Also, check out the anime show that she's on with Demetrius, who uh, who was a great guest as well. I know nothing about anime, and, and now I know stuff about anime, so I can talk to the kids uh, and the young adults. Um, but yeah, that was a very good introduction into vampires and literature and media and a fun little discussion. And 
this is going to be a little bit different, but I think we need to start with C reminding us about that that piece of literature that you introduced me to, and it seems like you know maybe most of the world's never heard of it either. So, without further ado, go ahead, tell us all about that. Okay, so uh, of course, a couple of months ago, um, I stumbled across this this book, and according to uh, a couple of um, resources online, it's said to be one of the first. Um, vampires in literature. The name of it was The Black Vampire, A Legend of St. Domingo, and it came out in 1819. Um, well, it was re, um, kind of redistributed in 1819. It came out a couple years prior, um, but that was before it had, like, you know, the whole, you, everything behind it, you know, everything was bounded and official. Um, but, yeah, that was um, a really interesting story. Um, if you're not into historical reads, it may be a bit of a, of, a, of a dry evening for you, but it was interesting just to get a little background. Um, it's pretty much about this um, one slave who was um, killed by his master, but he comes back to life um, as a vampire um, and marries his wife. And it does all It's kind of like um, a revenge story in a way. Um, just really interesting uh, story. I was glad I got the chance to read it and talk about it with you uh, over the last episode. And th this vampire, he was cogent, intelligent, charming. Um, obviously, it was in the American South, but mm -hmm. it, but it was sort of gothic, you know, sort of in the like the New Orleansy sort of way. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying this accidentally, and I think we're going to put a pin into that. But I think folks should remember, written around 1809, published in 1811, um, and a cogent, intelligent, lucid, planning, diabolical, charming, smooth criminal type of vampire. Um, because I'm, I'm not sure there'd be a Dracula without this this story. I I, I don't think we can prove that Bram Stoker, you know, an Irishman who wrote this in in London or uh, in England um, ever read this story, but it, it's, you know, everyone thinks that the modern vampire is from uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula and it might be, we're not going to tease the end, but let's just keep a pin on this for, uh, you know, the, the black vampire, uh, which that's the story. That's the, the title, right? Yes. Uh -huh, the black vampire legend of St. Domingo. St. Domingo. Okay. So, we're going to back up a little bit and vampire there's the word itself is a Serbian word. So, you know, there, there's a country that you don't hear much about, uh, except in, in terms of uh, Franz Ferdinand and world war one, um, or in the nineties with the Balkans. Um, but it's a Serbian word of Slavic origins and the Serbians, of course, um, you know, uh, claim or are prideful of their Slavic origin them, themselves. But the Slavs borrowed the word from Hungarian, or the, from from Slavic. The Hungarians borrowed the word. Then it was translated into Austrian and eventually into English, because Austrian is a Germanic language, as is English. So there's a lot of words out there that led to vampire, and depending on who you believe, it was created from a lot of subwords. So. The one that sounds the most is the Upair or the Upir. I've seen it spelled O-U-P-Y-R-E. I've seen it spelled O-P-I-R-E. Um, 
I, I've seen a W in there, umpir as well, or I'm sorry, an M, not a W. Um, and that, and most of that is like Slavic, Eastern Europe, well, like Slavic to Russian um, is, is where I see that mostly. Strigoi, which became popularized by the Strain <laughs> uh, books. And then uh, what was that guy's name? The, the professor is like Abraham Sakarian or so. Um, I forget, but I am uh, more familiar with that name than I am of, of like, you know, the, what was it, Uper one yeah. you just mentioned before. So that one definitely got a little more hype than the other one. Well, Umpir, there was this show, it was on Netflix. It had Frumpke, whoever played Jean Grey in the first set of X-Men movies. And, okay. and this this younger actor who, he was in the movie with Tom Holland that was on Netflix, uh, uh, the, a little bit of the devil Robert all the Pattinson? time. Could be. No, 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 no. Not not Robert Pattinson. Um, he's tall and thin. He, he played Tom Holland's father in the movie, uh, a little bit of the devil all the time. Anyway. Oh. There, Yes, uh, it's Alexander Skarsgård's brother. Is it right? really? The younger brother. Yeah, I think that's the guy, the younger brother. Okay. I, I cannot confirm or deny it, but they were in a show called Hemlock Grove, which is about this like sort of rich family who were mysterious and owned, I think, a pharmaceutical company. It turns out it was a cover to, for their lifestyle because they were umpires, uh, which were sort of vampires, but not exactly. So that, that might be the first place I heard the word and then I saw it in books. Like sometimes you see things and you just sort of skip over stuff and then you realize, oh, I've heard that before. So Strigoi, I think the strain was my first um, uh, introduction to that. So Strigoi is Romani. And then there's Velku. Uh, and then there's the, the Greek, which is Verikolakoi, which is V-R-Y-K-O-L-A-K-O-I. Love those Greeks. Uh, no simple pronunciations. <laughs> so maybe Athens. But okay, it's starting to transition. We got the V in the beginning, at least. So the V vampire. I'm seeing the transition here. <laughs> yeah, and and the funny thing is, if you actually look at the definition or the description of the Vera Kolakoi, it sounds a lot more like a werewolf than a vampire. And then, of course, we have vampire. There's other words too. So you know, I'm not going to go in order time-wise. I'm going to go in order as to what I found because the first thing I found was sort of also before Bram Stoker, but definitely after St. Domingo. And this was Carmilla, which is, which precedes, oh. yeah, Dracula by 26 years, 1872. The author is Sheridan Lefano, And this is a female vampire who was a lesbian, which was shocking in the Victorian era. It featured paranormal seduction and it was very gothic. And it was interpreted to believe to be about female empowerment and independence from men, which is funny. We were sort of talking a little bit about that in post-production, but it was also Gothic. And this is credited as being the first Gothic vampire. And, you know, just going back to what we were talking about at the very beginning. No, it's not. You know what I did? Um, I remember seeing something about this. I, I believe you may have sent it to me. Um, and I read a little bit, from um, the article, and it did have a lot of sexual undertones. And I was like, okay, well, this is when you know the vampires are becoming sexy, you know, since since the beginning. And the the human lead, I forget her name, she seemed to be very torn between her attraction to this this woman. And I wasn't sure if it was because she was a woman or because she was a vampire or 
maybe there was, you know, a little bit of both in there. But there was, yeah, definitely, um, definitely interesting. Yeah, one, one has a bit of a social stigma in uh, 19th century, uh, you know, I guess. Uh, I think this was also um, in, in the American South. Uh, and the other, well, maybe a bit of terror. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so this apparently was inspired by revenants, which are often considered vampires. And revenants go back to, I mean, all over the place. But the word itself, Hungary, Bohemia, Moravia, um, Silesia. And these are all sort of areas that are encapsulated into other countries now. I mean, obviously, Hungary is still its own country, but it wasn't for a long time. Bohemia is part of Germany. Moravia is is, a, is an area, Silesia. Um, you know, for a while, there were the Silesias and the Sarnestar nations that, you know, were sort of the inheritors from the Scythians and all sorts of fun stuff like that. But... But this is notably after the the Saint Domingo book, so this is this was about sixty years later. And it's it's weird because there's all these different countries that have such similar stories. So it makes me wonder where is the common thread? Because clearly now today we acknowledge that these are mythical creatures. You know, they're not real creatures. Well, at least yeah. most of us acknowledge this. Yeah, don't speak for me. <laughs> but the fact it's so widespread because it's again from Hungary to all these different countries in Europe, all the way across, you know, across the oceans to the Americas, St. Domingo and everything. So it's, it's, it's interesting to, to, to kind of theorize of why that is the case. Right. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it is about new Orleans. I don't know if it's because of the, the, the French influence. I don't know if it's because of the, influence of West African and Caribbean there, that there was sort of the voodoo and the hoodoo, you know, sort of took roots in North America, well, not North America, in the, the United States, uh, parts of North America, um, or or what, you know, if it's just because it's always been a fun city. But a lot of this stuff sort of takes place in New Orleans and, you know, Anne Rice, you know, mm-hmm. famously featured there. And then and I segue into this because there's a New Orleans story, Jacques the Comte de Saint-Germain. And he's in the 1900s. He's very Lestat-like, except he's more, except only when Lestat is charming and not sociopathic. Um, but unlike Lestat, who is made to be beautiful, this is more of your Victorian age, you know, man, you know, so it's more like the wealth and power gets the girls as opposed to being good looking, like, you know, Benjamin Franklin wasn't good looking, but he was known as quite the ladies man. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I guess, I guess some things, you know, never change. Um, <laughs> but, who, who wrote, who wrote that, that, that book? Cause I, I feel like it might be a man because Anne Rice is a woman. Oh. So I think, you know, there's a, there's, you tend to, if you're writing a, a male character as a woman, you tend to try to make them as sexy as possible. It was, so maybe it was definitely a man. You're you're hundred percent right. Okay. It was absolutely a man who wrote it, um, but I didn't write down the author. But the the our our friend Jacques the Comte de Saint I just like saying Comte. Um, he was an alchemist, a traveler, and he was associated with mysterious deaths. And they did something interesting, which is that it, it turned out like he had striking resemblances to lots of historic figures throughout uh, Europe which is places that he claimed to have traveled, but of course not in different times. So, you know, sort of suspected that he was the same person. He just took new identities, which was, you know, added something to the mythos of, of the vampire. Uh, but this is the 1900s. 
Um, not when it was written, but, um, you know, when the story took place. So we're still very much in the modern era of vampires and we are going to get to others, but I want to cover vampires in Europe, but we, we can't possibly ignore vampires in the new world. Um, cause this is an American based show and we're both Americans and, and because the, what I think is the first depiction of what we would call the modern vampires actually in that book that you discovered that probably needs more attention. So again, I'm going to say it again, The Black Vampire. That's actually the title of the book. It's not me saying The Black Vampire, which is which is not something that I would say. Um, a vampire with a Y. It's like a weird spelling of vampire. Eh, that's, not, that's not weird. It's, it's weird that like Y isn't best, used more. Second best. Second yeah. best spelling. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say it might be the best spelling. I mean, you know, why, why is, you know, why is a vowel, you know? Yeah. You know, they say sometimes why. So well, I'm, I'm all I'm in full support. Garden of Doom supports the Y as a as a vowel. All right, endorsed by the Y. That's right. <laughs> so, so let's talk about what some of the first quote documented end quote cases of vampirism were in Europe. So we have someone named Jor or Jorge Grando in 1656 in Croatia, and Grando was supposed to be a blood eating sorcerer. So there's a lot of magic associated with vampires. You're going to find that there's a lot of sorcery and black magic and blood eating, but not necessarily blood sucking the way we think now. There's a, there's a lot of features that, that can cross over sort of lots of magical entities. So, but here's Croatia, which is very close to Serbia, as we famously know from the 19 Bal- the 1990s Balkans. Um, you know, bloody Dean Sorcerer. And then we're going to, we're going to skip up about a century, 1766 to Serbia and Arno Pavel. Um, and Petar Blagojevic. I'm sure I'm pronouncing these things wrong. We go, this is not to be confused with the disgraced governor of Illinois. Um, <laughs> who, who I think was on the, the, the uh, celebrity apprentice. Okay, so he's not a vampire. Right. So, no, well, he, he might be, but no, he's aging. He's definitely, he's definitely not. I don't think a vampire would serve federal time either. He'd turn himself into a bat or mist and run away. So these are also sort of blood-eating sorcerers, blood-drinking, eating bodies, sort of almost like, you know, a lot of, so people who come in afterwards and try to interpret what these things are about, try to tie them as explanations for different types of diseases. Um, mm-hmm. we, we saw that in Midnight Mass a little bit where the, the doctor was, was explaining like a, a blood disease that led to uh, thin skin and, and light intolerance. Um, some of these were talking about other diseases, which you know, maybe there weren't explanations for, or cures for. Um, some people had, you know, they would get so feverish that they'd sort of stumble about and, and almost look like they were on un, the undead and, you know, this was, and as much as we like to sometimes think about people in the past and say, listen, they thought exactly the same as we did. It, it was more really like, like religious fervor was really more the norm then than it is now. The church and state were one thing and you sort of had to belong to, uh, you know, that type of thought process for, for better or worse. Cause that was, that was just the norm. That's what, what all yeah. the cool kids were doing. Um, or else, pretty much. <laughs> or ex- exactly right. Um, 
in, in, in 1732, we had a Hungarian case of an unnamed vampire who returned to life after death and haunts its relatives, makes them ill, and causes their deaths. So this recurs a lot, that you have someone who returns to life, but haunting relatives sounds more like a ghost, doesn't it, than the vampire? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would guess it would be a ghost, but you know, there's a lot of you know, intertwining with these creatures. Yeah. Um, you know what I find interesting, um, something you mentioned just a moment ago, how um, it was a lot of like blood being devoured, but not a lot of blood sucking. Mm -hmm. And of that time, at least around that time, maybe not exactly, but there was the practice of, you know, bloodletting to get rid of, you know, illnesses and stuff like that. So I wonder why there was this correlation between blood being bad, but these creatures like, so maybe that was the reason why they, they thought these were evil creatures because they had this, this mentality that blood was bad. So you have to like, let the blood, bad blood out. And these creatures are evil possibly because they, they drink the bad blood or I don't know, just interesting. That is a very good interpretation. And, you know, it, it could be like, you know, accept the, you know, the scientific medicine and don't accept other, you know, what, you know, now people like are into Eastern medicines, Back then, they were probably being introduced to medicines from what we call the Near East now uh, and Africa, and they were probably trying to distinguish Christian medicine from other medicine, and, and maybe that had something to do with it. It certainly fits with the era, which, I mean, the era is basically the last 1,500 years or so on, on that front. So, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good theory. Um, and you know, there's a lot of vampire stuff where they come after their relatives first. They come, they come to the people that they love or they remember their their familiar familiars. Steven, mm -hmm. Jerusalem's lot definitely played into that that they come after their family first. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, and makes them ill and causes their death. So, I mean, that might have to do with like the Black Death and and contagiousness, and you know, it might have been an allegory or metaphor for that. Who knows? Um, but one of the the strange things is that there's stories with all these people in the Balkan area where after they reburied them properly, uh, which was, you know, what, what you did after you killed them, you had to rebury. Like a lot of it was like, they were never properly buried. That that's sort of like uh, one of the reasons that they claim they came back to life is that the bodies were very red. And then when they punctured them, like fresh blood would come out, which I don't know what that's all about. I don't know what causes that. I mean, I know that blood pools, you know, in dead bodies. I know that from TV shows, not from not from actually being a murderer, allegedly, <laughs> and keeping a collection of bodies in, in you know, places that you'll never find out. Um, but but I, I, confession is all on tape. It's all. <laughs> this is this is all this is a legend. This is this is all <laughs> hypothetical, of course. Can't prove anything. Um, and does the Garden of Doom really exist in this dimension or another? And does the laws of, of Earth apply to another dimension? I'm not sure. You can't, you know, it's an interesting question. You know, there's actually a federal case where a federal judge dismissed a case against Satan, saying Satan is not subject to the to the laws of man. And that's pre what? Yeah. Satan was on trial? Well, somebody sued Satan, made its way up to the to the federal appellate courts and the, the of, uh, a federal district court judge ruled that Satan was not subject to the laws of man and the appellate court upheld that. So there's a decision somewhere, which I only say this because there's lots of things that may not be subject to the laws of man, 
like everything that's going to happen in space is that necessarily subject to the laws of man so uh, and you know say, interesting topic for another episode yeah like well i uh, garden views we're sort of going in that direction um but you know an asteroid or mars not necessarily satan but you know there is press and not subject to the laws of man anyway enough of, uh, that was sort of a cheap plug but a, a, a natural segue but I don't know how long it was before they do these exhumations or, you know, re-diggings or whatever that they poke them, that how long blood stays liquefied, that it seeps. Um, maybe we'll find out from a doctor one day, but it, I mean, it could, could possibly be that long. I have no idea. Like, uh, I guess the thought of someone digging up a dead body to, to puncture it, the only, the, what I know about vampirism in the Americas um, a lot, uh, some of it I got from this podcast I used to listen to that they later turned into a show on Amazon Prime called Lore. Uh-huh. And uh, you, have you heard of it? Aaron, Aaron Menke's show. Okay, yeah, it's, it's a great show. Like, I love it. Um, but there was this one episode where um, they believed that their town was being plagued by vampires. And, of course, they blamed it on the recently dead. Um, and their solution, I believe, was, you know, to uh, un- bury the, the whoever it was that they believed to be a vampire and, and stab them through the heart. Um, and that was supposed to, to stop them from becoming a vampire, turning into a vampire at night. Um, but as far as how long a, the blood stays in the body, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't either. I mean, blood is thicker than water. That part is, that that's true metaphorically and, and by physics or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. physics seems And I would assume that it would, you know, curdle after some time, right? Uh, is it? <laughs> I would assume it would too. I just don't know if that's days or weeks or months, uh, especially if you're in the cold dirt. But um, I mean, it shouldn't really surprise you if there's, you know, blood around. But the red bodies, that part's interesting. Uh, you know, I don't think bodies turn. I don't know. I mean, you know, we pe- people are embalmed now, you know. So, you know, they sort of stay, you know, whatever their close to natural skin tone is. Um, so I don't know if, you know, bodies that weren't embalmed, if they would turn red, it would seem to me they would turn sort of gray. Yeah. Maybe it was a temperature thing. Maybe, maybe they were really like, vampires. See, I, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving that maybe. as possible. I mean, it's possible that was sort of a side effect of whatever disease they had, they really had. Um, and, you know, and that, and so the vampire thing was sort of a blame for it because, you know, again, they were sort of stalking around and maybe if they looked hideous, they would scare their relatives. Like the kids would run away screaming and things like that. And mm-hmm. stumbling around, like, you know, not like the elegant vampires that, that we know now that, you know, sort of are charming and can glamor you yeah. and, you know, uh, seduce Pardon. people. There's a poem in 1801 by a guy named Robert Southey, and it's called Thalaba the Destroyer. Um, and Thalaba, I'm not exactly sure why he's a destroyer, but uh, I only bring it up only because the it, it, it was the hero's wife, and you know, again, he was uh, uh, looking for looking for love in all the wrong places. But definitely, this uh, not quite, not quite, not a not a proper death. Uh, coming back, you know, for a loved one, that sort of attachment. Uh, so that sort of continued into eighteen, the early 1800s. Um, but, you know, it's tied to vampirism, but it, be, it could be tied to anything. I mean, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of retrofitting as to 
what is a vampire in prior literature and legend, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to what we think of a vampire modern-wise. It really is sort of a, a modern construct. So we're, next I'm going to go to Asia. And right. this is just, this is going to be a brief stop before we come back into into more Western literature, but just because this is great, because this, this has been called the Chinese hopping vampires, only because they're like a stiff corpse. And they, I, I'm gonna, I think it's pronounced Zhang Shi. And there was another like a zombie show uh, on Netflix. I think it was called Dark or something like that, where, okay. where you had like these vampire like zombies, but they were in court official um, garb, like the, like the little hats and sort of the, the robes with the, you know, the tide in the front. I don't know okay. how I don't know how to properly describe them, but sort of how you pick, you know, imperial government officials in, uh, you know, in in I don't know what, what was the, what was the what was the Chinese cartoon that was on uh, like fifteen years ago where they had that. What, what was it about? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The only thing I can think about recently, because I've been binge watching this, uh, rewatching it again, because I used to watch it when I was younger, called Vampire Night on <laughs> um, Netflix. Uh, it was top tier. Like this was Twilight before Twilight was Twilight. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. So, it's an anime. If you're if you're into that, check it out. Okay. Well, I, I think if everyone saw it, they would know it. But listen, every kung fu movie you've ever seen, you see government officials wearing this kind of garb, and there's like sort of a hat. It's almost like a fez, but it's got it's sort of puffy and sort of like these long robes that sort of fold over in the front. And it's like string buttons that, that keep them. Anyway, this is during the King, the Q-I-N-G, the King Quinn Dynasty. Um, 1644 through 1911 is when it, it, it fell um, in that power. And yeah, I, I mean, obviously, this is a metaphor of the, the, the government feeding off the people. Um, but it's fun because they, they hopped around and they were always the government officials. Uh, and, I, I, you know, again, more zombie-like, but they had the sharp teeth and they, they definitely were eating people and drinking their blood, but they weren't stopping at the blood or even starting with it. They, they were just, you know, chewing your necks off, basically, kind of thing. Okay. Uh-huh. But, just but, taking it all, finishing everything. Nothing take, goes to waste. <laughs> take, taking it all. Then in 1819, English literature, John Polydon wrote something called The Vampire, also with a Y. Okay. Okay, so this is about what, 10 years after after the Black Vampire was written? So a little bit of copying there. And his main character is called Lord Ruthven, which was largely thought to be a takeoff on, on Lord Byron, you know, the, the poet. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Now, I know nothing about Lord Byron. I, I don't know. The I know a bit Do you? All right, tell us a little bit about Lord Byron. All right, if this is the same... Um Lord Byron that inspired like that whole trope of you know the the the, the romantic mysterious man, mm-hmm. but you know it's always an issue to him. So apparently he had like a deformity. Um, I think it was his foot where um, he was just very self conscious about that. Had whole issues with his mother, but he was a woman's yeah, a lady's man and a man's man, and he had a very interesting romantic life. And um, horrible father, apparently, <laughs> abandoned his children. But just a very interesting, uh, uh, interesting life, I'll say. And he did inspire a lot of um, uh, a lot of fiction. And what didn't he have a couple of like really famous 
quoted where like isn't he like this the center cannot hold things fall apart Is, isn't that lord byron it may be I'm, I'm i'm not so much i have to like go back and like read a couple more things but i just was more interested in the fact that he was just such a, a rake <laughs> he was really just going through everyone he and was? left you know fire behind him all of his lovers scorned lovers left and right well, I'm not sure that John Paladin maybe wasn't one of them because he portrayed this Lord Ruthven <laughs> as a satanic English lord. So again, you know, you know, very much the feudal system, the lords, you know, Downton Abbey, but you know, w- without the, uh, I don't know, the, the benevolence. I mean, um, and so yeah, so the, the the rich sucking off the the working folk and the poor and the land and you know i mean certainly a theme that you know really never never gets old and never stops being new um or current but satanic that was an interesting little twist to it so but again the vampire with the y just 10 years after our san domingo so you know maybe maybe a little bit of plagiarism here that we've discovered maybe so there are some other vampires, you know, in your or cases of alleged vampirism. And, and during this time, like vampirism and revenant were basically synonymous. And revenant is generally any reanimated corpse. So certainly that could be a vampire, but that can also be a zombie or a ghoul or, you know, any number of synonyms. So but there was the there was the cough, the Coglin vampire in Cumbria. Um, and Cumbria is I think Northern England or Southern Scotland. I'm not really 100% sure on that. Um, there was the Buckinghamshire vampire of the 12th century. So now we're getting to the 1100s. Uh, okay. Also in Scotland, they've got the Beobhan, Beohane. And I don't know how to pronounce it. I know like it, it, it reads almost like Siobhan. You ever see Siobhan, but it's spelled like Siobhan. This is... I- horrible at pronunciation, but I know uh, the Scots, they have a very particular way of speaking, beautiful language, uh, beautiful way of speaking, but it's very hard to pronounce some of their words. <laughs> well, I know that from watching Outlander. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to try and pronounce it properly here because I can't, but it's two words. It's spelled B-A-O-B-H-A, maybe I-N, and then Sith is the second word, the the, the way we uh, you think of Sith, uh, you know, the, the bad Jedis. But basically, it's pronounced Banshai, which is a banshee. So it's really more, these were blood-sucking fairies. Um, Now, whether or not these were the same kind of banshees that screamed and howled, which is what we consider banshees, I'm not 100% sure on. Because I sort of stopped at the blood-sucking fairies part, which there's also South American legends about sort of blood-sucking ticks and blood-sucking little creatures, which, of course, then probably got converted into the vampire bat, which is probably where we get the, the bat association. You know what? I was wondering about the, the banshee thing and that were these blood sucking fairies, were they distinctly female? Cause that banshees, as we know them are usually like female or like older female creatures. So I wonder if, if these um, ones were also female. Um, no, not in this case, not at least in this particular incident. Um, Fairies in Celtic and pre-Celtic, picked and as I understand it, the, the the fair folk is very different. It's not it's not your Tinkerbell fairies. It's sort of a whole host of things from basically any sort of mythical creature from that area, uh, like leprechauns, but more in the American gods form of leprechauns and 
you know, elvish, uh, gnomish, uh, but also also like sprites, which are more like what we think of fairies, like um, oh my god, like, like wood nymphs, water uh, nymphs, naiads, that kind of thing. So all of those things, sort of like from Grimm's fairy tales kind of creatures, they're all sort of listed as the as the fair folk. Um, a lot of tie-ins with the ufology as well and, and ufo abduction stories it's a lot of interesting time mm-hmm. plenty of our shows have gone and have covered that with authors and researchers um so just a, a little flavor of some different ones now now we're going really old now we're going to sumerian vampires and so, so we're going we're going bc we're going like 6500 years ago um and we're gonna we're we got some bloodsuckers now so one of the oldest bloodsuckers uh, from Sumerian, which is pre-Babylonian, which is sort of modern day Iraq, parts of Syria, parts of Iran, it's just that whole thing, is Idimu, sometimes Ikimu. And these were like ghostly life force suckers. I have to tell you, when I read it, I thought of the Harry Potter movies with those ghouls, those wraiths. Oh, um, Death Eaters. Yeah, that's what I pictured. I absolutely pictured those. Um, and then there's, and this is, this is, and, and I don't know why it's spelled two different ways. It's E-D-I-M-M-U. The other is E-K. The rest is the same. Um, but this is sort of, that. that's not terribly unusual in that part of the world in that era. You had Lilu with Lilith, who became, who was also Lilith. You had Ba, sometimes Ba-El, sometimes Baal. So it, it wasn't that unusual for, you know, within a few miles to have sort of different dialects, different pronunciations. But this is, but the, they sort of focused on the, the blood as being the life force, which I guess it's, it is in a lot of ways, right? I mean, it's the physical manifestation of life force, or at least the most obvious one. So, you know, why not? It makes some sense. Um, we have, but they also, they, they, they were like a cursed dead person. Um, and it seems like it, it was that it wasn't because they were buried improperly. It was due to some sort of unredeemable sin during life. Uh, and that sort of re- repeats and, uh, and it carried forward even into the, um, improper burial because sometimes the improper burial was was because they didn't deserve a proper burial and so they came back as a vampire because there was some sin um you know and and obviously this is pre-christian it's pre-jewish it's pre-monotheism it's it's you know it's a it's a uh, you know almost like a prehistorical uh sin and this is sort of like the dawn of writing so some of it's even pre-written sin so yeah, pre-hammurabi even um, so I just I just find that interesting that the concept of sin existed before we really yeah before uh, we claimed it in Christianity right yeah so um, you know but everything's everything's borrowed and built over something else I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised so let's move a little bit to Latin America and from Mexico to Puerto Rico we have stories of something everyone's heard of the chupacabra mm-hmm. you know the mm-hmm. chupacabra right. Yeah, we know all about the chupacabra. That's the scary one. It's, it's, yeah. It definitely comes after you, according to tales, you know, sucks your blood, rips you up. Uh, just very scary. 
something to tell tell your kids to keep them scared at night. That's how it, I think it originally came around because it was always kind of just told as, you know, you, you better be good or, or the chupacabra is going to come after you or so just interesting. Yeah, de- definitely like sort of almost like a boogeyman kind of um, yeah. stand in. Now, the description of the chupacabra is anywhere from sort of like dinosaurish to demonic monkey, almost like a, a mandrel with a tail. Um, uh, you know, so people were saying that maybe it was like, you know, feral or I don't know, monkeys get rabid, but sort of like, uh, you know, rabid monkeys or, uh, or ray, you know, coyotes or jackals that, that had rabies or something like that. But, uh, you know, Every time livestock was killed, it was blamed on the chuka, chupacabra and, you know, and oftentimes drained of blood as well, which I don't know if that's myth or just, you know, by the time they get to the livestock, it's bled out and whatever the case may be. But yeah, the chuka, chupacabra, also something tied to vampirism, though. I mean, it could also be tied to a lot of different monsters as well. But, mm-hmm. Werewolves and everything else. Show enough. It sure can. So... We even have like descriptions that are similar though to the chupacabra as far as Russia and the Philippines. Now the, the words are different, um, but it's sort of like the same description, livestock drained of blood and again, sort of to, you know, maybe to scare kids or maybe because they're really out there. Mm-hmm. You know which one I there's, like. There's this um, YouTube channel I used to watch. I, I believe it's called, uh, not Epicurious, it's... Uh, it's, it's escaping me, but it, they do like animated um, historical events. And it's, they had one about this soldier in the Philippines and how um, he was able to win the battle by scaring folks into believing that he was like this vampire um, entity in the jungle. And uh, I wish I could remember the name of this channel. It was just really interesting. And that was the first time I, I remember hearing about um, vampirism in the Philippines. Um, but it was, it was just an interesting story. I'll, I'll try to see if I can, um, I can get it before we, we, we end the, I, you know what? I, I've seen that story somewhere, not in a cartoon form, but I've seen that story before. I don't know if I saw a movie or it was like a twilight zone kind of thing or whatever, but I've seen that with Mm -hmm. the, I think instead of a Filipino soldier, it was, it was like a, a, uh, like a lost Japanese soldier in the world war II era. Oh, okay. Well, that could be the case. It's been a while since I've seen it. I just remember distinctly it was like, okay, this is interesting. So I should I should have had it written down. No, no, I think they stole I think they stole an older story and modernized it by making it a, a Japanese soldier who was sort of like the World War II is over, but the you know how they always say that there's there were Japanese soldiers on islands that didn't know Japan surrendered and somewhere, someplace there's still a Japanese soldier out there fighting the war. It was sort of like that, uh-huh. but but the Japanese soldier was being stalked by this creature. Um you know, with World War Two, you know, you know, uh, what are they called? Well, those carbine rifles, and uh, you know, and yeah, the Japanese soldier became the hero, even though it was the it was the uh, Western. I think it was American. Uh, you know, basically being stalked by a monster. At the end of the day, he's a human. You know, even though World War Two, they were the bad guys to us. Um, yeah. And uh, I think he killed it eventually with the, the you know, like a bayonet, like sort of like a tiger trap kind of thing. Clever, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, but that was definitely, uh, it, it must have borrowed off of the story you were talking about. All right. Now, folks, I, I, I try to promise the show I'm not going to babble too much about Lilith because I babble about Lilith a lot. But Lilith is often talked about as being 
the first vampire, at least the mother of vampires. And this goes back to uh, Egypt, the Nile, you know, the Euphrates, the Tigris, Persian. And the, the, the name is um, Estries, E-S-T-R-I-E-S, uh, which is a demo- demonic shapeshifter. So we see a lot of that, but shapeshifting often is, is associated also with witches, but also werewolves, uh, magic, you know, skinwalkers. But vampires, too, they, they, you know, they, they've sort of adopted the traits of lots of other things, turn into a bat, turn into mist, some could turn into a wolf. It's sort well, of like, yeah, that's what I was always found it odd that the wolf kind of came in there. If that's supposed to be like distinctly werewolves, but yeah, there are some that, that turn into werewolves and all of that. And even like other people, they can shape shift into to look like other humans. That. And that that come there, there are some vampire legends, and we're going to get obviously you, you looked into this already, so you know that. But we're going to get to those as well. So Lilith, but also Lilith's daughter, might was also considered uh, possibly the first. I think that's right. I think that's the name is is Estries, at least the the Persian version of her, her name. I mean, of course, depending on who you believe, Lilith had a uh, you know, hundred monsters a day, you know, children or something like that. Uh, but in Greece, you have necromancy tied to Hecate or Hecate, um, also now considered a vampire. So now we have necromancy tied to vampirism as well, which is you know, start, starting to get pretty pretty broad. But I guess, I mean, vampire, you know, vampires sort of bring someone back to life, but usually it's because they killed them first. So it's, it's not exactly necromancy, but, you know, I, I guess I'm sort of splitting hairs when I'm distinguishing different kinds of uh, uh, <laughs> unholy resurrection, right? <laughs> yeah, you're dead, you come back to life. Necromancy. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. That's just what that's what the word means, isn't it? Um, others going back to Egypt is that Osiris and Seth, who are who are brothers, uh, were the first vampires. Now, which is really weird because Osiris is also like considered like everything. Like oh, Osiris is tied to Orion and the, and Atlantis and Toth and the giver of all skills and all that. So. This one I don't quite get, but I guess that they also could, but Osiris resurrected, um, you know, sort of like, well, Mithra and Jesus and others. So, you know, I guess that's where it sort of comes in to tie into the vampire. I've often toyed with the, the little fun idea that Jesus might have been a vampire and that Lazarus was his first creation of, as a vampire. Uh-huh. You know, lightning hasn't struck me yet, so... There, there's an argument to be made there. There's an argument to be made. I know um, recently, of course, Moon Knight just came out not that long ago, and they kind of spoke on Osiris and how he was, I guess, has rule over the dead, and he was able to um, get both Stephen and Mark out of um, this, uh, uh, the Tyad, I forget the name of the, the afterlife area they were in. So there is like some kind of afterlife connection to Osiris and maybe that has something to do with the vampire connection. Um, But yeah. Absolutely. He's he's a a powerful, powerful guy. Egyptian Egyptian mythology is wild. It's, it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, Moon Knight. Some people love it. I'm not one of them, but. Oh, not a fan. Oh, you know, and it's, I should be, because it's like everything I love. It's superheroes, it's yeah. supernatural, it's mythology, it's, and I like Moon Knight, I like his powers, I like how he sort of moves like Batman, but he's sort of uh-huh. strong like Luke Cage and sort of, you know, impervious, heals a little bit like Wolverine, you know, all the voices in the head, I could have lived without that. Yeah, 
Really? I yeah. thought that added a little something, added a little, you know, a little spice to it. <laughs> I, I, I am not saying I'm right. I'm just saying I like, and I, I didn't like any of the characters. I got to tell you, and, and the woman, Layla, first of all, I didn't like her. I don't like how like every random person is like a 10th degree black belt in every sort of martial arts at age 24 or whatever she was. But also when they create a new superhero, why is she like exactly like the Falcon? You know, the wings, I guess. Yeah, it's I guess the wings. Yeah, but can't she, like, like, couldn't she have, like, beams coming out of her eyes or something that doesn't make her just like the Falcon? I think it had something to do with uh, they wanted to make her design similar to the god that she was supposed to be an avatar of. Maybe there was, like, something with the wings on, on that particular god. I, I, I don't know, so let me just not theorize yeah. too to this Listen, I might have missed this entirely, but I thought she was the avatar of the hippopotamus goddess. So, oh yes, <laughs> yes she was. But wasn't there like some? I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm crossing crossing uh, hairs and crossing uh, signals here. I don't know. But between but, the two of us, we should know. One of us should be definitive on this, and I think that's a failure of the show. So, not not of the two of us. Um, I guess one of us would have gotten it right. And I'm just saying, I thought that she was the hippo goddess. And last I checked, hippos don't have metallic wings. I'm totally okay with <laughs> one of the many hawk or bird guards, gods in the Egyptian pan. I'm perfectly okay with her having, I just, I just would have liked some other powers or, you know, give her a hawkman club or something, just something to, uh -huh. to make her that she doesn't, wasn't just a girl version of the Falcon. I mean, it looks like she had some super strength, but I mean, she had to even use the Falcon wings to like black. Uh, not black block projectiles, just like the the, the Falcon had to. So yeah, I mean, at least make her invulnerable, like that. You know, she doesn't need to do it; that they can just bounce off of her. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. There's another season coming out. Maybe they'll, you know, just give some more detail as to why she does have wings. All right, <laughs> like to be continued. All right, but this is this seems like a perfectly good uh, transition into some Germanic, which is the knock the hairs hairs which is um, really, a, I'm sure I'm terribly but mispronouncing that, but everything Germanic has to sound strong and sort of evil and mean and like you're in a bad mood. Uh, these were shroud-eating creatures. So again, we're sort of getting away a little bit from what I would call traditional vampirism. Um, and obviously that's been a theme almost since, you know, minute 10 in the show and, it, and it's not going to change anytime soon. Um, but shroud eating is like eating the dead, a little bit different than necromancy. It's more like necro buffeting. Mm -hmm. so, Put it all in there. They say, why waste it? Why waste? We're here <laughs> for the blood, but we'll take the body too. <laughs> yeah. How, how long is that body good for? How long is that ripe to a, to a German ghoul eating, sometimes vampirish, noxerers? I, I, don't, I don't like German sausage either. So uh, maybe I don't like German vampires. Yeah. Back to Greek, we have our Viracolatios, which, again, might really be werewolves. They lived on Santorini, the island. I've been to that island. Um, it's beautiful. I didn't see any werewolves. I didn't see any vampires. I did ride a donkey up uh, the crater of a volcano, though, and that was uh, fun and terrifying. Um, it was fun in hindsight. I'm not sure it was necessarily fun on the front end of things. <laughs> This. Well, clearly you went to the wrong nightclubs because the vampires are there, allegedly. You know what? At any point in my life, you could safely say I went to the wrong nightclubs. <laughs> that, that is, yeah. 
So in, <laughs> in Libya, we have a queen. I think everyone knows the name, Lamia, who was a demonic woman who drank children's blood. Okay. There was, uh, that's interesting, too, because I, as I mentioned before, that, that, that show I watched that was a podcast before Lore, they had an episode with this one queen who would not necessarily drink blood, but she would bathe in blood. Bathory, um, Margaret Bathory or Elizabeth Bathory. Yes, uh huh. So it, it's it's interesting that like even before this, um, you mentioned earlier how it's always like seems to be the rich that that, that have like this vampiric um, trait and they're preying on the lesser. Um, so yeah, it seems that that too has stretched across continents and cultures, and you know it, it's it's definitely been spread around when it comes to, you know, vampirism and the rich and all of that. Well, the Bathories are historic and, and they're a really messed up family. And she, she was like last gen of their sort of fame as being wealthy. I'm sure there's still Bathories out there that still have residual wealth, but like a bunch of her handmaidens did die. Of course, the legend was that they were all virgins and there was like a hundred of them that died before she was caught. And she bathed in their blood to, because she thought it would keep, her youthful, but there may be some truth that she killed at least one or two of them and did put their blood in her bath to keep her youthful. And we're going to tie that into the end also, because I mean, I, I think anybody who's familiar with us politics know that over the last six or seven years, there's been this whole thing, you know, mostly associated with QAnon, but it predates QAnon that, yeah, of course it's Democrats, Scotty Democrats, but it's said by conservatives that they had like a pizza place in Georgetown, Washington, D.C., where they would bring, you know, hundreds of thousands of babies. You know, there's no missing persons reports from any parents about the hundreds of thousands of missing babies, um, but that they brought them there and had satanic rituals and drank their blood. And they were all secretly reptilians, of course, led by Epstein, Soros, Hillary Clinton, and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the whole gang. Of course, that's what keeps Joe Biden young. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, it's, it's working so well. Yeah, really. He, he, must, <laughs> he, he must have gotten the, 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 the skinny kids, I don't know, something. Um, but drinking blood. But we're going we're gonna to put a pin in. We're definitely going to we're gonna put a flat stop on that one because I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know how that got purchased in, like, mainstream America or anywhere in 2022, but okay. Or well, it's right. Well, like anyway, any, any, any time after like 2000 BCE, it probably had no real place, (laughs) (laughs) but the demonic woman drinking children's blood or people's blood, not unique, not unique at all. Malaysia, they had the Pontiacac woman, which again, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it. I want to say Pontiac, like Michigan, like the old car brand, but I'm sure it's not pronounced that way. But again, a woman drinking children's blood. And that's, and we've seen this before. You know, we, we were discussing before that the succubus is, you know, from Greek mythology. Lilith was also said to seduce, you know, maybe she seduced Adam. Maybe she was never really intended to be the wife. Maybe she was always an evil spirit, but lot, lots of, you know, witchy women, you know, sorceresses, succubi, uh, you know, and, you know, I guess from seduction to possession to drinking children's blood, it's, it's, you know, it's one skill set, you know. Yeah, it all leads together. Yeah, I mean, you can't do one thing, it gets tedious. Um, 
the Indian goddess, uh, god Kali, blood rituals associated. Yeah, her. Kali is a her, I think. Um, blood rituals associated with her. In Judaism, someone named Akula, also sometimes associated as being the daughter of Lilith, um, a succubus who, who would possess and, and drink blood. Um, now we're going to Azerbaijan, or some, some place they call Junior, junior Turkey. Uh, but Azerbaijan, you had these troubled spirits called the Hordons, or, or again, I, it's, I'm spelling in English. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but this was a bad ghost, evil ghost, as opposed to Casper, who would drink human blood, but was also a shapeshifter and could often take the, not just the shape of animals, but humans as well. Okay. Now, we talked about our friends, the Strigoys and the Romani, and it is thought that this whole concept of the Strigoi may date back to Dacian mythology, which were peoples who occupy what's now Romania before they were Romane uh, about 4,000 years ago. Um, same kind of thing, sort of like these, uh, sort of these mindless, angry creatures that would come back from the dead and eat people, basically. In the Caribbean, we have a word that's, that spells distinctly Greek, succoyans, um, but it is in fact a succubus. And actually, it doesn't read that terribly different than succubus, which I find to be maybe a crazy coincidence. Hmm. Now, I'm not sure of the origin of that. I don't know if that was imported through the, the transatlantic slave trade or that was from the indigenous. It might make more sense if it came from Africa, because certainly by that time, Legends like the succubus had, had long made their way throughout the world. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that seems to be more likely. I think it would be much more cool if it was, you know, from, from the indigenous, the, the Caribs or the Arawaks or, you know, whatever tribes were there. And then the word was similar because that would just convince me that they're actually a real creature with a real name. Yeah. Before, yeah, it could be word of mouth. It got transferred over. If it was originally there, that would have been really something to theorize about. But um, are, are these, these are like, Similar to the succubus, as you said, they're very sensual and sexual in nature, but they just also happen to drink blood. Yeah. Now, I'm not clear if they're actually beautiful as well, or if they just sort of use some sort of mesmerization, some sort of sorcery to seduce you, regardless of them being ghostly apparitions, or if they actually are creatures of great beauty. And, and I'm not sure about that with a lot of them, but uh, like Akulo definitely was Lilith, supposedly, but, you know, there's every interpretation of Lilith. Succubus are supposed to, or succubi, are supposed to be beautiful. Um, so, you know, definitely most of them are thought to be beautiful. But then again, it could be like, you know, the, the siren song where you, while they're singing, you see a beautiful woman. But as soon as they start to eat you, then you see that it's like a treacherous sea hag with like harpy talons. and Uh-huh, the catfish, the original catfish. The original catfish, <laughs> that's right. It's like a sea hag with wings and talons and forked tails and things. It's too late. It's yeah. too late. You're already in her, in her, in her, in her grass. Now, in Portugal, they call this a bruxa, which sounds a lot like bruja in Spanish, which is a witch. Uh, but the bruxa is a woman, always a woman, but it's more of a succubus than a witch. But as we've heard from the shape-shifting bad ghosts floating around, you know, using sorcery or, or other methods to hypnotize someone, it's a it's a witch with us, as Liam Neeson would say, a very specific set of skills. Yeah, what's that 
red skeletor line we said just like a woman <laughs> is that skeletor? I, I, I don't i don't think that that was skeletor i, I... <laughs> it was one of those it was adamant i think it was skeletor or uh or one of those transformer guys uh this one escaped me megatron yeah maybe it was megatron <laughs> I mean, Skeletor did have evil Lynn in his little brood, so maybe it was Skeletor. And he's very memeable. I have a feeling it might be him. I'm leaning more towards Skeletor. Let's stick with Skeletor. I mean, Skeletor is, I mean, I mean, it's better than Megatron. It's better than Cobra Commander. It's better than Mum. I mean, Skeletor with villains' names or incompetent villains' names has got to be number one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, all right. So... I I don't know what they were what what they were trying to say about the Brooks uh, that uh, that they were that they were okay. So one thing that's in common with all of these creatures, the succubus, the witches, the whatever, whether you're talking about werewolves or vampires, is that there's strange methods to thwart them. A lot of times, odors, garlic, strong odors, but the odors aren't always the same. But onions, garlic, all you know, but other strong odors also. Uh, would thwart them. But one of the strangest things I saw to thwart a vampire was, and I saw this in Asian lore and Western lore. In Asian lore, it was grains of rice. In Western lore, it was dirt. But you scatter that in front of the vampire's crypt or coffin or wherever, wherever they come out from. And once they see it, they have to stop and they have to count. And they're count? The- yeah, like they count from Sesame Street. They're compelled to count like the grains of rice or the or the grains of dirt on the ground. So if you put enough of them there, they will count, you know, from sunset back to sunup, and then they have to get back into their coffin again, and you can just repeat. This is definitely the Count Origin story. This is where he comes from, from Sesame Street. This is his people. I, I think so, which is which is bizarre and not bizarre all at the same time. Yes, I, I've never heard about this discounting rule. I never heard but, of that till I was doing this research, and it's to me it's absurd. I mean, it's a very easy way to thwart this monster, isn't it? Yeah, just keep it thrown, especially rice. Everyone has rice in the kitchen. There you go, save the day with some rice. And they said nothing about its own holy dirt from its own crypt or coffin, you know, and, uh-huh. and that seems to be sort of a modern construct, also. Um, just, just really bizarre i mean it, it would almost it, it's like you could almost toy with the darn thing yes you know there used to be these um debates online like what kind of zombies would you rather be encountered like the fast ones or like the walking dead ones clearly who wants the walking dead ones because they're slow yeah. if i had to encounter some vampires i'm going after the counting ones <laughs> Yeah. Let me just throw something on the ground. And they have OCD. That's yeah, the other alternative is to immediately submit and hope to be turned into uh, one of the intelligent vampires as opposed to one of their mindless, you know, vampires that are sort of like the cannon fodder. <laughs> you know, like in, what was it, Castlevania, where there's some vampires that, that you know, think and others that are just like, you know, well, cobra soldiers. Mind- yeah. The mindless ones, the, the ones that, uh, like the Russian conscripts. Don't worry about those. Go ahead. It's cool. <laughs> they, they, they don't want to fight. They want to give up. So in Native American lore, there's lots of skinwalkers and, and things like that. Uh, but in I want to talk about one that's in uh, sort of in northeastern uh, U.S. now, sort of Maine, uh, you know, southeast Canada, something called the Skadagamukt. Mutka. It ends with a TC. So 
uh, I mean, sound, I, of course, I'm pronouncing it very Germanic Nordic, which I'm sure is not the way it's pronounced. But it is, yeah, I'm going to call it a zombie, and it's created by magic, and it definitely craves blood. Uh, so again, sort of vampiric there as well. Uh, going back to India, there's something called the Vitala, who's, it's it, like a magic creature that possesses dead bodies. So it doesn't necessarily cause the dead bodies, but it possesses dead bodies, but you possess all the memories and the traits of them. So you could come back as a zombified, you know, uh, what, what's, oh my God, what, what's, what happens to bodies when, when they're buried? The word, I can't even think of it right now. Um, when, they, when they, when they biodegrade. I have no idea. Now, now I'm, it's, it's, it's passing to me. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, I gave you my, my brain freezes contagious. Anyway, basically leprosy, but not leprosy. Like what naturally happens when you, when you die, I, I, Ugh, getting old sucks. Um, anyway, but the, but they could also possess decompose, decompose. decompose right? You can be in different, yeah. You could be in in different states of decomposition, or it could be, you know, you could you could, you know, find a beautiful supermodel and and come back and be a beautiful supermodel just with a evil demonic soul. So, um, you know, so the Vitala, you know, definitely a lot of um, versatility there, um, but. You know, I think there's a limit to how long they can be in any one body. So uh, I guess it's somewhat limited. Uh, maybe you need to pay off somebody in the morgue or, you know, whatever the equivalent was during this era. Um, there's something called the Layak in Bali, Indonesia. And this was also a shapeshifter. But this this shapeshifter had razor sharp fangs and used magic. So this is sort of like our first razor sharp fangs and shapeshifting as well with the magic that's less zombie, less werewolfy, uh, and more like, you know, what we think of the, the physical abilities of a, of a vampire with like, sort of like the saber tooth teeth. Mm. So I like that. Now also in, in that part of the world, I mean, the word cannibal is like, I think a Malay word. So cannibals were actually back then, like, and then like, you know, uh, British and Portuguese sailors, you know, turned the word cannibal into cannibalism. So maybe this was just a, maybe that legend fell into that, that you know, maybe the Indonesians, uh, or, you know, you know, had that legend as sort of a, you know, it's like a scarecrow effect, or maybe they were really there. Yeah. And a lot of these stories seem to have the vampires that kind of don't let the rest of the body go to waste. So maybe that is where it's A lot of it. gets it. Then in Scandinavia and other parts of Northern Europe, sort of like above that Umbrian line, you know, sort of across the board there, something called like the, the Druga. And all I can say with the Druga is that it, it looks a lot like the smart white walkers from Game of Thrones. The Druga, that sounds familiar. I, I think I've, I've heard about them before. Maybe they've been in a movie or, or something that I've seen. But if they look like the white walkers, then that's some scary stuff. I would hate to run into them in the, in the middle of the night. Yeah. <laughs> De- definitely, yeah. And again, you know, could they also be zombies? Yeah, I mean, they look ghoulish, but they, and there are ones of varying degrees of intelligence. So they're like, there are different like levels or ranks of the Druga, like there was with the White Hawkers as well. I mean, there were the sort of the cannon fodder ones that seemed to have some thoughts. Then there were the lieutenants, which, you know, were, were you know, th- sort of strong ones. I don't know if there's a king like there was the, the, the I forgot what his name was, but the the king in Game of Thrones. But like the lieutenants, the most of the the, the artist renditions of the Drugas I saw sort of looked like the lieutenants. They sort of had long white hair and 
you know, uh, like little headbands and, you know, remnants of armor and stuff like that. But uh, mm-hmm. zombies with swords. So what, what could be worse? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Sum it all up. Now, all of these things have lots of stuff in common. They all, they're all dead, a lot of reanimation, a lot of them eat, a lot of them use magic, or some of them drink blood, or, you know, but doesn't seem like they all drink blood exclusively. Um, only in a few was, was blood sort of tied to youthfulness. And so, again, I'm coming back to your story, not yours in particular, but the book that you introduced us to, that work of literature, that seems to be the first vampire that was using intelligent design, charm, drinking of blood for youth purposes, uh, to gain status and wealth or revenge, and those things are not mutually exclusive, but sort of the modern vampire that sort of took on traits and powers and abilities of all these other legends. Because if this show wasn't about vampires and we were talking about these things, I don't know that I would jump to vampire. I don't know that I would call any of these things vampires. Yeah, especially like you said with, with the mixing of the eating the flesh and the drinking the blood, you know, the the banshees, the sirens, it, it, it's, you would, yeah, if I didn't know specifically that they were linked to vampires, I would say, hey, this is a, this is a werewolf or, or something like that. Which is, sure. which is interesting in and of itself, because if you have these creatures that overlap all these different traits of all these different names, you know, my little game is I like to pretend there actually is a creature that has all of these traits and just different peoples call the different things. And, you know, maybe there's differences like the cheetah is faster than the jaguar and the jaguar has stronger jaws than the leopard and the ocelot is smaller, but they all sort of look the same, um, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of, sort of like that. So there's different maybe breeds or species, but it's basically of the, the same family of, I don't know, uh, you know, gr- griffin-like, you know, livestock and small children eating beasts out there that, you know, maybe were killed, hunted to extinction or, you know, whatever it was that became the stuff of legends or, you know, in my world are still out there and I'm waiting to find them to have them join my evil army. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe there, maybe there is like some, like how they were categorized. I was thinking like, there's no way that they're, you know, the beautiful vampires could possibly be, linked to something like let's say like the chupacabra but then there's also the fact that there's the shape shifting element Mm -hmm. so it's it's it could be like one species if like if we're you know theorizing that these are real um they could be one species that just you know they shape shift so you can maybe catch them in in, in one form or the other but it's the same species and maybe they get uglier as time goes on or maybe as they shape shift they can shape shift into a form to make themselves look like you or me um, but, you know, when they're not using their magic, they sort of revert to looking like a bat-faced, you know, saber-tooth, you know, beast. Mm-hmm. Like Google of the Mock with wings. Something. Maybe. They're definitely not attractive in their resting state. That's what I'm going with that. I'm going yeah. with they're ugly and weird and they're in the resting state and they have to put on the front of, of beauty to get their prey. Do you know who Google of the Mock was? Is? Google of Who's that? Ukla, no. From Thundar the Barbarian. From who? Thunder the Barbarian. Oh, great cartoon from 1980 and 1981. Thunder the Barbarian. He had like a lightsaber. He was sort of like He-Man before He-Man. He was pals in a totally platonic way with Princess Ariel, who was totally friend-zoned. And and because uh, <laughs> she definitely liked him, even though she was hotter than he was. And Ukula the Mach was sort of like his Chewbacca kind of friend, like sort of like a big ape that they understood his language. But he had sort of like a, almost like a... Uh, 
like a headhunter, like battle mask face with like these big teeth that came out. Um, you know, I've never in my life, never in my life. I've heard of He-Man. <laughs> this is Thunder the Barbarian. No, oh, yeah, this is a shame. No, it's great. It's like, it was like a cartoon, but it took place in like, like a dystopic future, like a, you know, a thousand years or 2000 years from now. And there was like magic and strange science and like the moon blew up, but like sort of reconfigured itself. And I don't know. But, uh, it's a shame. Everyone's friends with Ariel? No, this is, this is, no, it's, 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 this, it's Thunder the Barbarian. I didn't dream this. This is real. I'm, I promise you. If you Google Thunder the Barbarian, you're, you're going to find it and you're, and you're going to thank me. Um, okay. So, this is a, a wild coincidence, but just a few days ago on Science Now, which is a website with science news, they actually published an article that youth, the blood of youth, like drinking blood, youthful blood, may actually help keep people young. So the QAnon thing that before we were giggling about and scoffing and the Bathory thing that we were talking about. And the vampire thing, it may not be fiction. It may be true. And in societies where castes and class or just the strength, you know, might made right and drinking blood maybe was, you know, seen as spiritual or healthy or sacrifice for something. Okay. Maybe there was something to it. This is the twist of all twists yep. at the end because it, it does seem very much, you know, rooted in myth, right? But then if there's like this scientific backing, like it, it, it's actually something that is the case, right? According to the science, you know, I'm not a scientist, but um, that's interesting and scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it does you know, unfortunately, you know, we lend a little credit toward the crazies and mm-hmm. their theories of, you know, what's going on behind the curtain in, in certain um, politics and stuff like that. I'm not saying that I think it's true because I don't, <laughs> but it, it, I could see how if someone was leaning towards one opinion or the other, that that would, could, could sway them, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it's just the scary thought. And how did they even, who, who was looking into this? <laughs> These are all wonderful questions. So point number one is it's not an accident. I didn't share this with you because I wanted your spontaneous uh, reaction to this. Number two, yes, that's the natural question. Who studied this? Who greenlit this? And who they were saying? They, they were doing it in animals. I mean, which is still horrible, but nobody was actually drinking human blood. Allegedly, uh, as far as I say, they, they did this. I, I think it was in mice, and uh, you know, and, and which you know is horrendous. But I mean, I think we all, you know, we all close our eyes to a lot of things that we do to animals for humans. The you know, from from how we eat to everything else and, and medicine. So, um, but so you know, I don't know how you determine that a, that a mouse or a rat is more youthful than its counterpart. But I'm sure there's ways by their energy level, the amount they yeah. eat or the amount they run around in the day or whatever. Um, but uh, nevertheless, you know, that, that that doesn't mean it doesn't translate to people. But no, as far as I know, there's no study involving people. I sort of hope not, but I sort of hope like like in a Hydra, you know, lab or, or chaos or, 
uh, uh, Spectre or, you know, what, one of those evil organizations, Cobra, maybe, you know, you know, maybe it was stopped, you know, Mengele maybe did it and, you know, something, maybe there is data out there um, that we don't have it to, has to be. yeah, it has to be. that's the next step. It's the first animal trials, next step, human trials. That's how it goes in all the movies. Yeah, but it, it, well, with other science news sort of tied in without specific articles, it may not be necessary because they seem to be able to, uh, they're very close to being able to map consciousness and then download it into artificial bodies. So, you know, and it doesn't matter because AI, you know, they think AI is already, you know, basically human intelligence. So, of course, my reaction to that on futurism.com, I type, so they're going to argue with each people like children on social media also? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, we're so close to the singular. I'm just not sure what's going to come first, the global collapse due to the environment, global collapse due to the war, or or the singularity, you know, where Skynet, you know, fully takes over and, you know, or, or, the, or the aliens come. I'm rooting for the aliens because, of course, I will collaborate with them. I will be like their evil governor down here to do all their evil huh? bidding. Um, you know, that might be the best, the best option out of what was given, you know, please be the aliens. You know what? In in real time, it may sound cruel, but the victors write history, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I will write. I will believe me. I will. You know, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, but if you prevail, you write yourself as the hero, and that, that, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen here. This is a very Garden of Doom perspective. But the fact that there is some scientific evidence behind all of this, it's it's wild. And it's, 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 yeah, that's mind blowing. Crazy. So I think my conclusion from our, you know, the research on Vamber, getting back from that sort of semi-terrifying, well, maybe completely terrifying factoid, possible factoid, is that the modern construct of the vampires is basically 220 years old or so. Before that was, you know, all sorts of different traits that could be attributed to lots of different kinds of monsters, myth, and legends not necessarily limited to or even necessarily attributed to a vampire then or now, and that the modern vampire was created by, uh, in the book, The Black Vampire, featuring Mr. St. Domingo, um, and then built upon either knowingly, I, I don't, I mean, I do believe in divergence, which is sort of like the same thing with our leopard and jaguar little example, but that specifically with when you change a character and then you sort of, the character sort of comes up again. I don't, I think these authors, at least one of them read your book, you know, read that book, whether Bram Stoker borrowed from the black vampire or whether I think it was John Polydon, uh, borrowed from the black vampire, Bram Stoker borrowed from John Polydon that I don't know, but it can't be an accident that within basically, a. a 70 or 80 year period that, you know, all sun vampires were sort of like almost like mindless zombies, witches, werewolf kind of creatures, and then sort of became these elegant, more civilized, you know, uh, distinguished, yeah, you know, distinguished, you know, plotting, you know, you know, creatures that, that, you know, and then, you know, lived immortally, you know, sort of in wealth and privilege and, and, you know, like I said, the smooth criminals and, <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. I, I think you should start the movement to make it known that the 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 modern vampire was invented by an African American. I'm 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 gonna uh, I'm gonna sh- sh- shout it to the rooftop. So the um, the author is um, I want to say that it was um, 
uh, he was Lutheran, but he, he just, he was a, a, a abolitionist. So he, he didn't agree with slavery and all of that. So he, he created his character to be a slave. Um, so a white guy wrote this? Yeah, uh-huh. He was an ally. <laughs> yeah, right. He was an ally of mine, too, because he invented the modern vampire, which is one of my obsessions. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's just, yeah, really interesting. Um, but, yeah, again, I, I just love the whole history of vampires, and I, I just think it's really intriguing. Um, and the whole, now that we have science, science basing, you know, having their foot in it, it's, it's just the whole... The whole topic is just super interesting to me. Okay, I'm an idiot uh, because this whole time I thought that the author was also African American, and 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 now I'm just thinking of well, you, you know where you know me from. You know me from the wrestling world, and so the wrestling groups, there are people always posting memes like, "They can't let us have anything." Now I, I, I feel like that's what you should be saying right now, but it's I'm the one making them say. So here I'm making a fool of myself publicly, but this is not the first time. Won't be the last time. No, 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 no. This is fine. That's why I'm here to help. Wherever I can, you can give all the information. I'm, I'm, I'm here to just bring in a little knowledge that you may not have. Freaking white guys. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. I had a great time. Great discussion. Well, I'm glad you did, but it ruined my my whole like big thing. You know, oh, all right, fine, all right. So, <laughs> so the white guy did something good. All right, that's fine. It's whatever. It's not, it's not as much fun, but the, we still have modern vampires and, well, we can at least claim it was an American construct, not a, uh, 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 deranged Irishman in, in England. Um, mm-hmm. so, all right. So USA. Okay. Terrific. Yes. I'll have to settle for that. Edit that out. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're <laughs> going to keep it all in warts and all. Um, all right. See, tell the folks where they can find you, how they can support you. All right. Well, you can find me on YouTube at See the Superior or on Instagram at See the Superior. Or if you are in need of a virtual assistant to help you with your uh, social media or your um, behind the scenes administration um, daily tasks, you can reach me at See the Superior. Um, I'm sorry, at Superior Assisted online or Chrissy C at SuperiorAssisted.com. Who's Chrissy C? Me, oh, me. wow. It's exciting. You have so many names. You almost have as many alter egos as I do. Yeah. So, so, many. so definitely support her stuff. She's super organized. So definitely support her fun work. And if you need a virtual assistant, you don't want to hire an assistant yourself, you know, to have full time. You don't want to have the benefits. You don't want the HR nightmares. Uh, you can have a virtual assistant with a disturbingly competent individual. So you see the superior. She's not competent. She's superior. So, <laughs> thank you. so there you go. There's, there's a little commercial. We, we like to, we like to plug it for So thank you for coming in a third time. Can't wait to have you again for something else. We'll figure that out. Um, and folks, thank you for tuning in to Garden Doom. Check out Garden Views. Because if, if you subscribe to this show, you get Garden Views also. Um, give us a review. Rate us. Give us five stars. Tell your friends. And we will hear you next week. Thank y'all. Lem, lem, love, gonna hit some pom pom. All we need is get some of it. Need to get drunk. I'm here to say hello. Watch above and below. Guns under pillows. Never have just call your mama. We'll drink all of it. Don't need a plumber. They're gonna empty it just like a vampire. Lovely limbs gonna eat you. Yum, yum. Treat you like the gong gong. Drink your blood like a soda. I'm here to build up an empire. Cause I'm a vampire. Then
I'm here. 